Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQBD in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, calls for California Senator Dianne Feinstein to resign are growing. The latest coming three days ago from the New York Times editorial board. Senators have one primary and inescapable duty, they wrote, show up in person to vote in the chamber. If they cannot do that for extended periods, they are depriving their constituents, and California has 39 million of them, of a voice and a fundamental representation. Feinstein pushed back last week against the claim that her health-related absence since February has hurt the Senate or her constituents. We hear what you think after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. So what are Democrats to do? California's respected longtime senator, Dianne Feinstein, has said she'll return to the chamber, but has not said when. She requested a temporary replacement for her on the powerful Judiciary Committee so President Biden's nominees could move forward, and Republicans blocked it. Meantime, pressure for Feinstein to resign is mounting. Congressmember Ro Khanna was the first to publicly call for her resignation last month, and he joins me now. Welcome to Forum, Congressmember Khanna. Thank you for having me back. So why do you want Senator Feinstein to resign? I have great admiration for her career, for her advocacy on gun violence and women's rights. But it has been painfully obvious to many of us now that she simply is unable to do the job. Uh, she has been missing many votes. There is no concrete plan for her to come back. And every day she is out, it is hurting our ability to confirm judges. Now, I don't want to overstate the case. We have had many judges out of the Judiciary Committee that are still waiting for a floor vote. And it is true that the Judiciary Committee is able to advance some judges that are bipartisan. But as Senator Durbin has said, as the chair of the committee, there are others who are simply unable to advance if there is any Republican opposition, and that is not allowing us to build the number of judges uh, that this president has nominated ready to go for confirmation when we get the floor vote. And that is really hurting us uh, at this time. Well, as you mentioned, there have been some judges who are waiting now for a floor vote. They were able to move through the committee. And Senator Feinstein last Thursday released a statement pushing back against the idea that her absence has made it harder to confirm judges. She has, as you point out, asked for a temporary replacement, and Republicans have blocked that. So why aren't you directing more of your ire at Republicans well, she, I appreciate that she did that. She did that three hours after I called for her to step down. And 
I was hopeful that uh, we would be able to come to some accommodation. And had the Republicans agreed to that, uh, perhaps the situation uh, would not have been as dire. But even in that situation, I mean, you have a senator who is uh, owed respect, but I don't know any other job where we say, uh, let's just consider someone's legacy and public service, and it's fine for you not to show up to the job. And uh, just because of the past things you've done. I mean, no other American employment place works that way. Uh, I get that we've done this in the past, uh, perhaps with Strom Thurmond or other senators, but because we did this in the past doesn't mean that this is acceptable today. And yeah. so I feel that she should step down. Well, Congress member, even if she did retire, what's to stop Republicans from allowing her appointed successor to take her seat on the Judiciary Committee? They have said explicitly that they would allow uh, a Democrat to, to take the seat because that is the precedent of the chamber that they've affirmed. And all of their own committee assignments depends on affirming that. So, you know, I don't want to overstate the case. It is the senator is staff or whoever's writing these tweets, the, their statements are right that uh, they there are judges that are waiting for a floor vote. But it is also just factual that there are a number of judges who are not getting through the Judiciary Committee because of Senator Feinstein's absence. Also, we're not able to do an investigation or subpoenas on Clarence Thomas or others because of Senator Feinstein's absence. We lost a key vote on the environment uh, in regulating trucks because of Senator Feinstein's absence. Now, Senator Feinstein's staff says, well, President Biden is going to veto it. Fine. But, you know, I don't want the Senate passing things because one senator is out that are against the environment. And I guess my question is, I don't understand what is the reason that she she wants to so desperately continue when she's not voting. I, I just don't understand that. There have been two big pieces of pushback against your call for her resignation. One is that it's sexist. What is your response to that? I would recommend the New York Times editorial, which uh, said that that's absolutely not true. They pointed out that Speaker Pelosi was just flat out wrong in making that. Uh, and I would just encourage people to read the New York Times editorial. Well, what about the other assertion that because you co-chair Representative Barbara Lee's campaign for a Feinstein Senate seat, and if Feinstein were to retire, you know that Governor Newsom would be under immense pressure to appoint Lee after his promise to appoint a black woman, giving her potentially an unfair advantage in the 2024 election. How do you respond to that? I think it's a very fair consideration that we should not tip the scales to Representative Lee. I, I'm endorsing her. I'm proud of her record against the war. But I also respect Representative Adam Schiff and Representative Katie Porter. And I would encourage the governor to appoint a caretaker uh, he can appoint and should appoint an African-American woman. But there are many from the state, uh, from Maxine Waters to people in the academy to statewide officers to people in the state legislature. We have an abundance of talent of uh, African-American women he can appoint uh, who would not be running in, in 2024. Your recommendation, though, is unlikely to probably change the pressure expectations on Newsom. But I guess more broadly, what I feel like I'm hearing from you, Congressman, is that you have discomfort with the idea of Feinstein coming back to the Senate even after potentially that she's medically cleared to fly. You've been talking not just about the effect on the judiciary. It sounds like that has been 
almost the last straw. Are you comfortable with her being back in the Senate, representing 39 million Californians as senator through through much of 2024? Well, I would just encourage people to read the New York Times editorial, which talks in detail about some of the reasons that uh, she may not be up to the job. It, I don't want to be speculating on that. The facts are there in the New York Times editorial for people to read and make their own uh, decisions. But at the very least, I mean, this idea that she's not giving a specific timeline, she's not uh, agreeing to vote. I mean, I, I just think for her own sake, uh, stepping down uh, w- would be a better uh, capstone to, to our own career. But ultimately, you know, it's not about Senator Einstein's legacy or or uh, what is owed to her. It's a democracy. We work for the people of California. They're entitled to have someone who's capable of showing up to the job and being a very strong advocate for our values at a time where uh, abortion rights are under assault, at a time where we're seeing massacres in places like Texas of gun violence. Uh, California should be uh, at the forefront of that debate, as, frankly, Governor Newsom is, as Senator Padilla is. And it is uh, hurting us that we have a senator who is absent. Do you think there should be a way to remove lawmakers who can't do their jobs if they're incapacitated short of an expulsion vote? Well, there is a way uh, through the Senate, as you know. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if, there, if it would be constitutional to have a recall of a federal uh, officer. I mean, I, I'd be open to exploring that. I, I just don't know the constitutional law well enough. But there are mechanisms, I and mean, the Senate could have that mechanism uh, right now. But I, I hope it doesn't come to that. I, I think it, as starters, if a few more leaders stepped up and said that it's time uh, for the senator to, uh, to, to step aside, uh, I think that would, uh, would help uh, have the outcome without it coming to that. I know you need to leave us. You said something interesting a moment ago where you questioned whether even Senator Feinstein you know, wrote or or dictated the statement that came out of her office last Thursday. Do you think that she didn't write it? I don't know. But, you know, what's hard is when you don't have someone who's in front of the media and answering questions uh, and you have uh, no visibility, it's hard hard to to know. So I don't don't know. But I, I guess at the very least, Senator Feinstein, should have a press conference, even if it's on 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 a phone, uh, to, to answer questions. I mean, we are the most biggest state in 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 the nation. We we deserve a senator who's doing the basics uh, of the job, who's answering questions from the media, answering questions from voters, showing up to vote. And uh, I, I think it's only in Washington where you have this sense: well, if someone has been around and had a distinguished career. What is their legacy? What is the appropriate way to retire? You know, no one else I know in any other career has that kind of uh, deference. And I think this is what people are sick of in Washington. They don't think politicians should have some special rules or special accommodations. Uh, we work for uh, the, the, the voters, and uh, there's no shame in saying, I've, I've done my job. It's time for me to step aside so someone else can fulfill those duties. Congress member Ro Khanna, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you.
O'Connor represents Silicon Valley, much of the South Bay of California. Let me invite you, our listeners, to weigh in. Do you think Senator Feinstein should retire early? She said she will not seek re-election. But do you think she should retire before that? Why or why not? Senator Feinstein is one of your voices in the Senate. How does her absence affect you? What does her absence mean to you? You can share by emailing forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. You can call us at 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Noel tweets, when the Republicans refused to allow a temporary appointment to the Judiciary Committee in her absence, that is a sign that the polite deference of the Senate is over and we have to get Senator Feinstein to resign. I wholeheartedly agree with Representative Khanna and disagree with Pelosi saying it's sexist to ask her to resign. The gerontocracy is hurting us and we need new leadership. Another listener writes, I'm a California resident who has voted for Senator Feinstein, but last week I called her office and begged her to retire. We have seen how the unprecedented shaping of the judiciary by the right has had real and substantial consequences. We cannot afford the holdup of judiciary appointments. She cannot do the duty she was elected to do and should resign. Another listener, Jeremy, writes, I am a lifelong resident of the SF Peninsula. I met Senator Feinstein on my eighth grade trip to DC. I am now 30 years old. She needs to resign. She needs to realize that she is preventing democracy from happening in our Congress. We are seeing a lot of comments from listeners, most telling us that you believe she should resign. Kim, on the other hand, writes, I do not recall anyone trying to replace Strom Thurmond when he was immobile and non-composmentous. I am tired of hearing from all the misogynists in Congress who are looking for any excuse to dismiss Senator Feinstein. We'll have more after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about how Senator Dianne Feinstein, California's U.S. Senator, has been away from the Senate for two months as she recovers from a case of shingles. Her absence leaves a vacancy on the Judiciary Committee and is causing problems for her Democratic colleagues and calls for her to resign are growing, most recently from the New York Times editorial board. 
Feinstein, on the other hand, says her absence is not hurting her work. And you, our listeners, are weighing in with your thoughts, questions, 866-733-6786, the number, the email address, forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. Joining me now is Annie Carney, congressional correspondent for The New York Times. Annie, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Just before the break, we heard Congress member Kana calling for her resignation still. He's been joined by others, including Representatives Andrea Ocasio-Cortez, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Dean Phillips, and others. I just wonder how unusual it is to have so many Democrats saying so publicly that they think their very longtime respected member of the Senate should resign. It's definitely unusual to have people going on the record and doing it. And um, I think it's preferable to people doing it on background to journalists. Um, but one thing, you're, the list of names you read, these are all progressive lawmakers. And there's long been a uh, frustration with Dianne Feinstein, who's um, you know, progressives have with her. She's more of a centrist. And um, they've long, there's been tension between Dianne Feinstein and progressives for a long time. So I think that it's not a it's not a coincidence that the names going public with their calls for the resignation are people who have political differences with her as well as concerns about her current health status. Mm. The The main reason they point to, though, is her absence on the Judiciary Committee and its ability to move President Biden's nominees forward. And then we've had the pushback from Feinstein's office. So can you help us understand who's right here? Has Feinstein's absence affected the committee's work, hampered Democrats' ability to get their judicial nominees to the floor? There, until now, they kind of, they could, they were able to do their work. And the hope had been that um, the Senate has been back now for two weeks. They had a two-week recess where we had three ailing senators out. John Fetterman was out. Mitch McConnell was out because of concussion. Dianne Feinstein was out. And the hope was that after that two-week recess, if she came back, there wouldn't be a huge slowdown in Democrats' ability to confirm judges. But Dick Durbin, the Senate Judiciary Committee chair, has said that um, at this point, she is slowing down their ability to move forward. They can they cannot move forward at this point with any judge judicial nominee that requires by um, um, that doesn't have bipartisan support. With her absence, the Judiciary Committee is divided evenly, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats. So they don't have the majority right now, which means they can only move forward on judges that they have Republican support for, which is holding up their ability to move forward in general. It's not just judges that is the issue. Um, her vote is needed for other important legislation coming to the Senate floor. Um, but Yes. At, at, and her office has argued that it won't be, you know, she could be out for another month until um, her absence is actually harming their ability to push forward, push through nominations. But Dick Durbin and other Democrats have already said that they're worried starting now that she's holding up their ability to do their work. This is actually even more important in a moment of divided government where with the Republicans in control of the House and Democrats control of the Senate, nominees are really the only thing that Democrats can push forward on their own and have a positive agenda that they're pushing forward. It makes the work of the Judicial Committee even more crucial at this moment than anything else. Yeah, I was going to ask you to remind us why approving judicial nominees has taken on such outsized 
importance in this current moment. And of course, we also remember that there was a flurry of judicial appointments made by Republicans during the Trump era. So are Democrats also seeing this as a way to kind of at least rebalance that a little bit? Absolutely. This is their chance to get more progressive leaning judges on the courts. There's a presidential election coming up uh, soon. And I mean, if they lost the White House, this is their moment. This is their two years um, one year now to to put to get to rebalance the courts. And we saw how uh, significant the work that was done under the Trump administration was all the way up to the Supreme Court um, in terms of confirming judges. And this is um, something that could have long term effects. Um, I mean, these are lifetime appointments that we're talking about, and they are they have been very eager to move as many through as they can in this limited amount of time. Well, let me go to caller Timothy in Pacifica. Hi, Timothy, you're on. Yes, hello. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, I wanted uh, Senator Feinstein to retire or defer to someone more progressive for decades. Um, I've always felt that way, and I think it's actually not inappropriate that uh, Ocasio-Cortez and uh, Rokana are speaking out publicly because otherwise we probably wouldn't be having this public conversation. And I mean, I, I know it's not so relevant perhaps, but a friend of mine uh, passed away after having very, very severe, painful shingles um, experience. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I think between the pain medication and all of that, um, and the sort of somewhat intractableness of the illness. I, I, I agree with Rokana. I don't know why we're suddenly, or not suddenly, why we've always deferred to people who are meant to be public servants and not somehow the equivalent of rock stars. Uh, I, I, I mm. think it's, and beside that, you know, the, the whole question of, progressives versus centrist, um, it's so hard to diselect someone like Senator Feinstein. I think that the fact that even with, with what's going on, we're stumbling and choking on saying it out loud. It's well, uh, bizarre to me. Well, Timothy, thanks for sharing your thoughts. Annie Carney, do you think the deference that has been given to Feinstein is unique? And if so, why? Well, I think there is something, I mean, it is easy to forget in this moment of who we're talking about. This is someone who has had an incredible legacy, um, is a historical figure in the Senate and in California. I mean, she wrote the, she pushed to release the torture report about what our country was doing after 9-11 in terms of using torture um, um, and showing that, you know, those methods didn't actually gain us any information that we wouldn't have had otherwise. She wrote the 1994 assault weapon ban. Um, she's had major legislation and major moments that have made her a lion in the Senate in the past. Um, so, and, and we have to remember, we're talking about a body here that, um, I mean, Ro Khanna made this point, no, nowhere else do you get the deference that you get in the United States Senate, but there is a culture there of pe people on both sides of the aisle have served with her for decades. Um, and there is this sense that, you know, the your the voters 
decide. And it's not really up to anyone but you and your voters about when you leave office. Um, that is the culture of the place. And that's typically the way it works. But I think she's being given, um, treated respectfully by her colleagues in part because of her legacy and in part because there is this sense, it's an aging body. I mean, she's 89 years old and there's Chuck Grassley, a Republican from Iowa is 90 years old. I think there is some delicacy on these issues among senators because of the fact that there's a lot of old people there and there's a sense of there, but for the grace of God, go I. Tomorrow it could be me who is being forced out because people think I'm too old or not capable anymore. And so there is delicacy around these issues. And, you know, it comes down to the fact that she was reelected in 2018. Uh, she said she's not running again in 2024. Really, it's it's up to her when when she decides that you know she wants to finish her term or not. I don't think a lot of senators feel like it's their place to tell her she can't. But I mean, we're in a very unique situation where this one vote on the Judiciary Committee can hold up the her entire party's agenda. So it's a unique situation. Yeah. And speaking of that, the Cisner writes, we know the Republicans get to veto any replacement of Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee. But what exactly is the mechanism for replacing her if she resigns? Can the Democrats simply choose a replacement without the Republicans having veto power? What that do you think, is, Annie? Yeah. Um, well, this is a concern that a lot of Democratic senators have made public. They said, you know, Republicans rejected uh, her request to have a temporary replacement. What makes you think that Mitch McConnell and Republicans, if she resigned and Gavin Newsom appointed someone, what makes you think they would let that person sit in her on the Judiciary Committee? Um, and that really the only surefire way to get this committee moving again is for her to physically return to Washington and vote. Um, a few senators have said that publicly that, you know, it, it's not this is Republicans holding up the Senate's ability to function. But Mitch McConnell has shown that, especially on the issue of judges, um, he will do anything um, to slow down the appointments of progressive leaning judges. And why would this be beyond him to do? It's 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 a real question. Are there any levers that Democrats can pull with their slim majority to incentivize Republicans to fall in line? Um, not really. They don't have a lot of good choices right now. Um, their progressives have brought up the issue of um, blue slips that Durbin has refused to do away with so far, but that is sort of a corollary issue. It's not directly related to this. Um, what do uh, blue slips do? What would that do exactly? Um, blue slips are, sorry, I have to, I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> Um, oh, that's okay. I know we're getting a little bit into the weeds yeah, here, but you're basically little... saying they would use Senate procedure or percent, Senate procedure to threaten to do away with certain Senate norms um, to be well, able to try to get. Are, yeah. Blue slips allow a senator to block the nomination of a judge from his or her home state. Um, Democrats could Democrats could threaten to do away with blue slips. It's it's not you know it's not directly an issue about Feinstein, but they could play hardball and start to say, if you guys don't let us have someone on this committee, we're going to make take away some of the powers that you still have right now. I don't know that that would do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, there's not a lot of obvious or good options at this point for Democrats. All we've really heard Chuck Schumer say is, 
we hope she gets back soon. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of back where they started after Republicans rejected the temporary replacement um, position. There's really, um, they're kind of stuck. Yeah. And there is this question of whether or not Democrats, this has kind of been a question more broadly about Democrats and their appetite to really go up against Republicans as well. Um, let me go to call a Rashid in San Francisco. Hi, Rashid, you're on the line. Go ahead. Yes, uh, my comment is I, I think that uh, it, it health is a factor. And when health is an issue with any senator, at this point we're discussing Senator Feinstein, uh, uh, Mitch, he was, uh, it was reported that he was unconscious. Uh, Nancy has retired. And I think that all of these three, and we're discussing the wonderful work that um, a senator has done. I'm a California. I've been living in San Francisco since 91. But I think health is, is an issue and that she should resign in all truth and fairness, make preparations to resign and whatever it takes to uh, fill the seat and to uh, continue the work that we do uh, in California in support of our Democratic uh, uh, administration. Well, Rashid, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. And of course, he's referring to how Nancy Pelosi did not speak, seek the speakership or continue to do so and enable other lawmakers to take yeah. the helm. Um, well, in terms of health, I mean, we don't have the same disclosure necessary for senators as we do for the president of the United States. Um, you know, we there quite these these questions came up a little bit when John Fetterman, senator from Pennsylvania, was in Walter Reed for six weeks, um, being treated for depression. Like, what did we have a right to know about what was going on in there? Was he getting antidepressants? What was he on? Like, they don't have to tell us that the way a president would, who has to release his his um, physical every year, and and we know these details. Those disclosure requirements aren't there for senators. Um, so we, and again, in an aging body, we have, there's been many instances of senators being absent for long periods of time because of strokes, because of concussions. Um, we've had senators out for months on end. Yes. Uh, again, this is a little bit different because it's literally one person holding up the work of the only committee that Democrats can move forward um, their own agenda at this time. Do you think it's also been a little bit different because her evidence of her decline has been so public? Um, and if I you do. could just I mean, remind, yeah, listeners are some yeah. of those bigger moments that that you may There's not have been, seen in the you past. Know, this has been rumbling in the background for years. Uh, questions about her declining mental acuity were there in 2018 when she decided to seek re-election. And I've heard in my reporting on this some frustration among progressives that Democrats didn't make a bigger deal of it then, because if they had dealt with it then, they wouldn't be in this position now. Um, but so, But it really kind of became public in two uh, big instances one was during the confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. Um, this was the Supreme Court nominee that Trump nominated to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg after she died less, a little over a month before the election. And Republicans just, I mean, we all remember, rammed this through in less than 40 days, I think. Um, and 
the whole talking point on the Democratic side was that this was just a complete misuse of the process, especially compared to them blocking Merrick Garland um, months before an election, that this was just out, a completely outrageous move on the Republicans' part. And uh, Senator Feinstein, at the end of the hearing, hugged Lindsey Graham and said, this was one of the best run hearings I've ever participated in. And it was just sort of a shocking, it seemed like she, it was just completely out of step with how every other Democrat in the world was viewing what was going on with this process. Um, another one was there was a hearing with uh, Jack Dorsey, the former chief of Twitter, where she asked him a few very good questions. And then minutes later in the same hearing, asked them verbatim again. And it, it, it appeared like she didn't realize that she was reading the same uh, statement that she had just read. So there have been moments where these short-term memory issues or a confusion have been like very public and very concerning to her colleagues and to voters watching. Well, Sammy writes, just to remind Madam Senator and everyone, when she ran against Pete Wilson for governor in 1990, she had berated Wilson for his absenteeism as a senator at their one and only gubernatorial debate. Another listener, Marsha, writes, longtime admirer of Dianne Feinstein, but not at all in recent years because of very poor decisions during the Trump era. Made me wonder then if she was losing capacity for critical analysis. She is beyond the ability to perform her duties on our behalf. I am with Kana on this too. Another listener, Bill, writes, I put myself in Senator Feinstein's place and realize how difficult it must be to relinquish the power associated with her position. She's been doing this for a very long time. Then, as a Californian, I think about injustice, the injustice she's doing to her constituents and the entire country, particularly now when our courts on all levels have been so damaged. She needs to be there. Diane Feinstein needs to step down. We are talking about Diane Feinstein, her vacancy from the Senate for a couple of months, the growing calls for her resignation, and hearing you, listeners in California, what do you think? Do you think she should resign? What effect do you think her absence is having? What are your questions about the options before Democrats? 866-733-6786, the number, email address, forum at kqed.org. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Annie Carney, congressional correspondent for The New York Times, about Senator Dianne Feinstein, who's been away from the Senate for more than two months as she recovers from a case 
of shingles, but her absence is hampering the work of the Judiciary Committee and is causing problems for her Democratic colleagues, though Feinstein says her absence has not been doing that to the degree that some suggest, especially for those calling for her resignation, including Congressmember Ro Khanna. You, our listeners, are weighing in with your thoughts, and let me go to Beth in Mountain View. Hi, Beth. You're on. Uh, yes. Hi. Thank you for taking the call. I just want to say that I'm a feminist from back in the 70s era when Gloria Steinem was on the cover of Ms. Magazine. And uh, I certainly would not be jumping on board to see Senator Feinstein, who has had a distinguished career, um, asked to resign. But in this circumstance where she has had to be out for so long and there's no date yet defined, and there's so much important business, uh, especially as it relates to the judiciary, with our Supreme Court being so activist um, to a, a right wing or mega extreme. I really think it's important that uh, we be able to get someone in there who can fill that role quickly and represent all the other issues that we face here in California, such as, you know, and, and the nation, such as common sense gun laws and such as, you know, immigration reform. Um, There are so many uh, pressing things before us that it's not a time where we can have an indefinite absence. And I do agree with Kana on this, that I can't think of any other job in the United States where this isn't allowed. Usually there's a defined period of time that an employee is allowed to be out, but after that you're expected to return to work or, you know, take a package or resign. Uh, So this just can't go on indefinitely in these Mm -hmm. times. Now, the one other thing I want to close and say, please— is if, in fact, the Democrats are not going to fight to get a replacement on that judiciary, then you might as well let her be out as long as she requests, because it will only make sense if the rest of the Democratic caucus is willing to fight to not let the Republicans be obstructionists and to to fight to Mm. replace her on that seat. If that's not going to be done, then we haven't accomplished much by asking her to resign. And that would be inappropriate. Yeah. Well, Beth, thanks for the comment. Actually, let me just get Annie's thoughts on what you just said there. I think it has been posed to some Republicans that if she were to retire and Governor Newsom were to appoint a caretaker senator, um, you know, whether or not they would seat that caretaker on the Judiciary Committee. And the answer has been, we'll cross that bridge when we come, if we come to it. Have you heard something different? (laughs) No, I mean, I've heard we've seen a few senators, Senator Tester, Senator Stabenow, say they have no confidence that McConnell and the Republicans would um, vote to seat um, on the Judiciary Committee to replace her with her replacement in the Senate. Um, So, no, there's no confidence that anything short of her physical return would give Democrats the necessary majority on that committee to move ahead. Um, I mean, they don't have the ability to stop a senator from being there. And, you know, her her being absent is also leaving Democrats short of vote on other crucial matters like, you know, the coming, you know, they're going to have to vote on a debt ceiling soon in the coming months. So there's other issues before the Senate. But no, there's no there's no surefire thing that a replacement would sit on the Judiciary Committee and fix this. Yeah, exactly. The the debt ceiling is coming up. Gosh as early as the very beginning of June. So so time is short. And again, we have not heard an actual date uh, from 
Senator Feinstein, Elizabeth writes, I sent a message to Senator Feinstein on her website almost two weeks ago asking for her to resign or to provide us, her constituents, with more information. I don't understand why she has been out for so long with a treatable illness. If she wasn't able to be vaccinated against shingles, she should have been aware of the symptoms so that she could get treatment quickly with an antiviral medication. And none of this was an option for her. She owes us this information or a statement from her doctor. But as you said earlier, there isn't that requirement. For senators, Gary writes, Diane Feinstein's intransigence to leave the U.S. Senate underscores the need to impose term limits on Congress and the federal judiciary, including the Supreme Court. I, I want to bring into the conversation now Joanne Kennan, a journalist in residence at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health and former health editor for Politico. Joanne, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Gary's question is making me think more broadly about just institutional tools to address the kind of situation that is going on right now with Dianne Feinstein. And you wrote about this recently in Politico. Can you talk a little bit about the institutional tools you were investigating? There are none. I mean, that's what, um, you know, I covered the Hill for a long time and I and I saw other senators who um, and law and congressmen who who were either out for prolonged periods of time for physical illness or who were, you know, having cognitive difficulties. Um, Strom Thurmond being the one that is sort of most famous, he didn't retire until he was 100 and he was not in great shape for a number of years before yeah. that. And, and there's nothing, there's other than sort of behind the scenes nudging, there's no mechanism. The, the Senate does not have a mechanism to, to get rid of somebody. The only mechanism they have is an expulsion vote. And that requires two thirds and they've never used the only, the only time they've used it. They've used it twice. They used it during Civil War, where you would think if you were a Senate from a Confederate state, you would have quit. Some of them didn't. They expelled them. There were fourteen or fifteen of them Confederate senators from Confederate states who supported the Civil War, the other South. Yeah, they they used the expulsion vote for them. Other than that, they've only used it once in the entire history of the United States, and that was in something like seventeen ninety seven, and it was a treason case. So. They're not going to do a two-thirds vote expulsion on any lawmaker for being sick. It's off the table. So that means the only thing they can do, and, and the New York Times editorially called for this this past weekend, is you know for Chuck Schumer to step up the behind-the-scenes pressure, you know, to to talk to Senator Feinstein, and we don't know what shape she's in, and you know how aware she, you know, it's it's. It's, it's people not wanting to give up power, that's true, but it's also when you're older and having cognitive difficulties, you may not see your own cognitive difficulties that well, and um, you, oh, you think you're going to get better, or you think it's good enough. I mean, we've all seen that in people who are non-senators and people with our lives. It's a difficult thing. So we don't really know where she is in terms of assessing accurately her ability to serve. Her husband died a few months ago, so that you know Chuck Schumer can't call him and you know, uh, there's the staff, the senior staff who could talk to her. There's uh, at least one adult daughter, I believe, to talk to. But it's not it's not like Schumer can just say, Diane, I'm taking your keys away. I mean, it, it, he, there's nothing institutionally he can do except, you know, quiet or not so quiet pressure. Hmm. Why are there no mechanisms short of expulsion um, in the Senate? Is it because the framers could not have envisioned this kind of a problem affecting the Senate Probably. given life expectancy back then. Remember, we didn't have a 25th Amendment until quite recently. That can be used to to get rid of a president. It's never been used. It's been used temporarily to, when someone's having surgery or something like that. But the expelling a president 
hasn't been used and it didn't exist. The 25th Amendment is only, I forgot what year it is now, but it's not, I think it was the, I think it was the Nixon administration. Um, it's fairly modern. Um, so the constitution didn't even have a tool for getting rid of a president who was no longer fit. Um, we now have one for the president. We still don't have anything for Congress. So I, I think it is partly demographics. I mean, when the constitution was written, we did not live as long. People tended to die of acute diseases, you know, heart attacks, infections, things that kill you fast. We now are blessed to live longer, but we, that also means, you know, a lot more of us end up with disability, whether it's physical disability um, or whether it's uh, a cognitive disability. I mean, I was looking at the history and it's not a brand new problem. I mean, there was somebody in the forties who was out for four years and there was and someone else who was out for three and a half. One of them got reelected while he was out. Um, so it's not brand new, but it's more common because of how we age and that we do live longer, but we end up with these chronic disease burdens. Um, but it's also because it's a really closely divided Senate and because it's really, really, really partisan, right? I mean, if you had 54 Democrats or 54 Republicans and one was out sick for a prolonged period of time, it wouldn't have mattered. You'd still be able to get things done. Right. Or if we lived in the era of bipartisanship, if one Democrat was out, well, there was such thing as a moderate Republican who crossed party lines and vice versa. There were conservative Democrats who crossed party lines. We're much more, it's much more, the margin is much narrower. It's basically tied yeah. and the partisanship is much deeper. So you need everybody you got on your team to show up. Right. Which is also what makes this situation just plain sad, Annie Carney, right? You talked earlier about her distinguished legacy and one feels that she has earned the right to be able to go out on her own terms and choose when those terms are. But what I'm hearing so much is part of the pressure and attention besides some of the evidence over the past couple of years is really the fact that we are in such divided government, that the margin is so close in the Senate and other sort of structural factors as well. Yeah, I think the whole situation is sad. I mean, um, I, I've talked to people close to her who are worried that this will taint her legacy. That was really, um, I mean, she was a historic figure and for a lot of different reasons. And and that this kind of the way Ruth Bader Ginsburg, there's a lot of anger on left at her now that she didn't retire, step down from the bench when Obama was still the president and she held on and um, Trump got to replace her on the Supreme Court instead of a Democratic president, that there's being comparisons being made to Feinstein, who has a career pushing for a lot of um, Democratic causes. And now at the end, in the end of her, the last years of her career is potentially doing great harm to this, the causes that she spent her life fighting for. Um, and I think the issue really is that there's not a lot of people to talk to um, and that, you know, she's pretty tough and isn't likely to necessarily listen to people who tell her it's time to to leave, um, that that might make her dig in. And her husband did die, I think, last year. And um, apparently he, from my reporting, was as dug in as she was about her staying. So that was not actually a, a, a good route for Chuck Schumer to have been back channeling to have help. Um, he was, he his attitude was, what else is she gonna do? Uh, this is what she does. Uh, this is a person who doesn't really have hobbies, doesn't take vacations. This is her whole life. So I do think part of it is just her inability to um, see outside of 
this is what I do. And, and an inability to see that maybe she can't do it like she did anymore, that she, that she at least thinks she's, when she recovers, able to do this. As far as the timeline goes, last week, Schumer said that she would be back this week. Yeah. She did not confirm that when she put out a statement last week and gave no timeline. And I checked in with Schumer's people today and they said they don't know one way or the other at this point. Um, so it's all very vague. And I do think that the the biggest issue right now is kind of what Ro Khanna said at the beginning of the program, just this lack of information about what Democrats can really expect in terms of her return is the biggest issue. Well, Curtis Wright, Senator Feinstein should not be pressured to step down. She should be allowed to serve out her full term. Reagan was not forced out due to his memory loss, and Trump was not forced out for his destructive presidency. If she elects to leave on her own terms, that is her choice. Another listener tweets, I remember seeing Dianne Feinstein announce the assassination of Milken Moscone. She's been a true powerhouse for our country. Could she please consider retiring early? There is no shame, especially with her amazing career. This happens to be a fundraising period for many public radio stations. You are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Well, let me go to caller Tom in Santa Clara. Hi, Tom. Go ahead. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay, great. So um, Diane Feinstein has got a fantastic career. Uh, she's been a fantastic servant for, for this country. Um, there's previous discussions you're talking more about, like, they would never get a, a progressive replacement for her. So since the country is very obviously divided, right, our Congress is extremely divided, why not look at proposing a more moderate candidate to replace her on the Judiciary Committee? Hmm. They, what do you think, I, Annie? Or sorry, go ahead. Well, that's not the issue. I mean, Schumer chose. He chose Ben Cardin of Maryland. Right. He said that would be the temporary replacement. And that's like a... A good moderate uh, Democrat, not a not a progressive, controversial. He didn't choose Bernie Sanders as the replacement on the Judicial Committee, but that wasn't the issue. The issue was that a lot of, a lot of these would be party line votes, and Republicans just rejected any replacement uh, on that committee for the simple reason that it's about judges. And well, this is no right. Yeah, go ahead, he, Joanne. He's seventy nine, and he's healthy as far as we know, and he's cognitively fine. And he actually announced his own retirement a few days ago saying, you know, if I run again, I'm going to be 87 by the time my next term ends. And I think it's time to retire at 79. And you don't know what, um, you don't, you know, whether, whether watching what's going on around Feinstein um, helped him reach that conclusion or whether, you know, he just sort of figured out, do I really have another six years plus two years of campaigning in me to serve the people of Maryland. You know, he decided he One thing I would say on Feinstein is that we've seen her, you know, she has not caved to this pressure to resign. And this isn't just, I mean, there's been different moments when this has come up over the past few years. And, but we have seen her kind of begrudgingly shrink her own role. And she was under great pressure to step down from being the chair of the Judiciary right. Committee when it became clear she couldn't do that. And she did agree to step down uh, and just be a member of the committee. Uh, she wasn't happy about that. She felt like she had earned, she had put in the time, she had earned that that powerful position, but she succumbed to the pressure and took herself down from that position. And then the pressure, you know, I mean, she announced that she won't run again in 2024. That was sort of that kind of an obvious thing that wasn't a surprise, but 
finally going public with that, that that would be it. And then this halfway measure, she said, of the temporary replacement was another kind of halfway measure. We've seen her take these halfway measures that decrease her own power while still not being willing to, you know, succumb to the pressure to actually step away from the Senate once and for all. Well, I do have this quick question from a listener who is wondering if her absence is hindering any investigation that could be done on Justice Thomas. Annie. Yes, um, probably. I mean, it's a hypothetical because they're not trying yet, but they don't have enough Democrats to, I mean, Annie's in the, Annie has, is closer to it, but yeah, it, it, they can't do anything without her. They're stuck. They're stuck. They want to do some real work on these ethics violations of the Supreme Court. Um, I don't, I have to look in deeper about what, what she's hampering them from doing. But yes, all of the work on the Judiciary Committee is slowed or stopped because of her absence. And they yeah. have a lot. Well, Joanne, we're hearing a big appetite for Dianne Feinstein to step down earlier than 2024. Um, are you hearing much of an appetite for the kinds of mechanisms to remove lawmakers if they become incapacitated or ailing to the extent where it appears they are not able to do the work of representing their constituents? Well, I, you know, I interviewed a bunch of constitutional law experts and political scientists for the for the story I wrote about this, and nobody had a solution. I mean, nobody really um, had a a good answer. I mean, the Constitution has an, a minimum age to be a House member, to be a senator, to be a, a, a president. We've grown up with that. I mean, that's been there since the beginning. And and it's also a little different. Say, okay, say a 29-year-old is really mature enough emotionally and intellectually to be a senator, and they're not 20, they're not 30 in time for the election. Or, you know, you're not, you're, you're basically telling the Constitution saying, wait a year, wait two years. I mean, it's not saying you're done. It's just saying you have to wait. At the other end, if you do a arbitrary cutoff, there are lawmakers who are, you know, almost as old as Feinstein who right. are, in shape, you know, Grassley yeah. is like two months younger than her and he's still pretty sharp, right? I, I covered the hell for, for almost 15 years. I saw older state, older senators who did their jobs and I saw older senators who weren't probably, probably shouldn't have been there anymore. But there is, if you, if you set like, okay, 75, 80, whatever age yes. you set, First of all, some of them are still capable. And then you're also sending a message to all older Americans. You're all done. You're all toast. Well, Joanne Kennan of Politico, Annie Carney of The New York Times, thank you both for giving us this insight. And thank you, listeners, for sharing your opinions. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya! How?! 
You'll have to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.